to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're, I'm not sure I've ever been so emotionally drained from a winning streak home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I read about the Cubs, Wilson Contreras, and the impending doom of the trade deadline at Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by my one and by the one and only Danny Rocket, who I think might be my therapist today. How's it going, Danny? <laughs> um, yeah, therapy is in session. Um, it's going good. I mean, I was at that game yesterday, and I had a really good day. I went with my my family. My sister is in town from Brooklyn. Uh, my cousins are in town from Pittsburgh, along with my aunt. And my mom went to the game, and uh, an awesome thing happened. Like, you know, my friend, I'm friends with the organists, uh, one of the organists at Wrigley, John Benedict, and he invited us to come up. And my mom got to play the Wrigley Field organ, and she didn't want to do it. Like, I told her it might happen. She's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not. My mom is a professional organist for years and a, at a, Catholic church. She, that was her job. She was a music director at a church, played the organ all the time, but she didn't want to do it. She's like, I don't remember anything. I don't want to do it. And then, but we got her up there and my sister pretty much insisted, like I would have let her do what she wants, but my sister's like, you will have this memory. And so <laughs> anyway, uh, we have the memory and my sister uh, took it. I, I posted it on, if you check out my Twitter, it's my, my mom's so happy. And, and what she didn't want to do, well, she went back to her retirement community and she was bragging instantly about it. And so that's, that's going to play. That's good. So she, that's incredible. Was, I yeah, loved that. So I cool. loved that video so much. It was incredible. It was very cool. Um, it was the sweetest video. You should definitely go check it out. If you're not following Danny on Twitter, what are you even doing? He's at yeah. Sunranto people. Get it, get it together. Get it together. Yeah. No, it was such a beautiful moment. And it's just, you know, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty happy today. And yeah. hungover, to be honest, bring it up oh, with I'm my not, cousins. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, from your cousins, I'm like, I, yeah, that we went game to wasn't Nisei. like a party game or anything. Well, we were feeling good. So we went down to Nisei Lounge and we, we, uh, drank some of the, they have the, uh, I forget what, what the new beer is called, but Jay Black Beer Baron. Yeah, he, Jay's great. He, yeah, he did Summer of 54, and that's on tap at uh, at Nisei Lounge right now, which is his delicious beer. It's like a, it's a uh, grapefruit. Mango, mango. grapefruit. Yeah. So the grapefruit good. is for Ernie Banks, and the mango is for Minnie Minoso, and I love yeah. that beer. It's a really good beer, too. Yeah, and it's it's pretty strong. Although this this batch, he made it less strong because I think he's like he's like I hurt a lot of people with that beer. Is what he said. And I'm like, Jay, it was delicious, but it was strong. <laughs> Jay is awesome. When the summer of '54 came out and debuted last summer, him and Shakia Taylor, uh, who is now the deputy sports editor at the Chicago Tribune, both came on the show to talk about that and how that was working out, which leads me to a, a random tangent. We don't talk about J Derek Jeter much on this show unless we're making fun of him. But if you are not <laughs> watching ESPN's The Captain, and honest to God, I understand why you're not. Like, I was not going to. I was like, who needs seven? Who needs a seven-hour documentary on Derek Jeter? Come on now, people. Uh, the thing is, it's actually really, really good. And and part of the reason it's good is because Shakia is one of the people in this documentary talking about the experience of growing up in the Midwest and what it's like. Um, the documentary is produced by Randy Wilkins, who has done some incredible work for ESPN. He's done some incredible work for MLB Network. And I I am a Red Sox fan, people. I am loath to give the Yankees any credit at all for anything. And Derek Jeter in particular is like a special brand of this guy, if he played in Minnesota, just would not have the same cachet that he got from all those years in New York. And yet... Sure. I watched the first episode of The Captain and I was like, this is really, really good. I am interested in J Derek Jeter and like him for the first time ever. And Randy did an incredible job. Check it out. Uh, they are streaming the early episodes on ESPN now. So you can catch the catch up if you haven't watched them. And I think Thursday night, um, July 28th is when episodes three and four drop. So it's, it's quite well done. Uh, whether you're a Yankees or Jeter fan, or even if you hate the Yankees and Jeter. Yeah, I'll have to uh, order cable and, <laughs> and be able to, to be able to see it. No, I, I I'll check it out eventually. Um, yeah, Derek Jeter. Yeah, I lived in New York for eighteen years, and so uh, I, I saw his face everywhere. And he, you know, like I worked in these schools a lot, and they they all had this big cutout of 
uh, Derek Jeter encouraging people to eat right and drink your milk and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, he's, I mean, he's a legend there and such a big city, uh, the biggest of big markets. And, uh, and it was never too big for him. And, you know, those Yankee teams were just unstoppable. That's what I hope the Cubs were going to be. Yeah, that's what I hope the Cubs are going to be, too. Let's get into that because it's a perfect segue to where we're going. The Cubs have won six in a row, and I would love nothing more than for this show to be just celebrating those wins and talking about how awesome they were and how great it was to be at Wrigley Field where they flew the W twice and a really weird, like, super brief two-game, night game to day game homestand. Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer were talking about it on the radio, which I was listening to in the stands yesterday, and and Pat and Ron were saying they've never – in their entire time broadcasting or for Coomer in his playing career, seeing a scheduled series like that on the schedule on purpose. Like it might happen because of delays that need to be made up or like at the end of the year, you're trying to get some games in that were canceled or something, but never a purposefully scheduled two game, like stop off from the East coast to the West coast. It's just a very bizarre series, but um, the Cubs won both of the games. They, there were some great things that happened and, also, saying goodbye to Wilson Contreras and potentially Ian Happ was one of the saddest experiences I've ever had at the ballpark. I'm going to try really hard not to cry during the show. I am wicked close to tears right now. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I forget exactly what I was doing. I think I was maybe making notes for the Sun Ranto show or this show. And um, and I was thinking about Wilson and I I welled up just thinking about it because I knew I was going to go down to the game in the, you know, just a few hours. And I knew what was going to happen, that he was going to come up. And it's when I saw the lineup and I was like, Oh man, this really stinks. And, and, you know, and then I, I'm the kind of person that doesn't get sad for real long because it makes me really angry that something is saddening me. So I go from sad to mad like in a, a really quick way. I'm quick to anger. Let's put it that way about sadness. And I'm mad because this should not be happening like this. And I understand baseball's a business and blah, blah, blah. And uh, everybody's trying to get the most money they possibly can. But the fact that the Cubs were not able to work or, and I guess it's by, uh, operationally, this is how the Cubs work now. And we can just always expect that it's not even worth falling in love with the players if right. they're just going to break your heart all the time. And and I understand that, like, guys age out of the team, guys age out of baseball, their performance changes. Look at, you know, look at Jason Hayward. You know, it's like it, it, he went from usable to pretty unusable. And then, but it's like, oh, my God, like, th- this guy, Contreras, I, who are you going to get to catch? They better go after him in the offseason. That's all I have to say. I hope we get a boatload of prospects and re-sign Wilson. But, you know, he should have been a lifer on this team. They should have locked him up years ago. And and I, I it's it, it drives me nuts that we're having this conversation. And Hap is another one. Oh, so you're just not going to have anybody from the team anymore? Just total reset? Oh, it's not a rebuild. Well, all the players are gone. So you tell me what a rebuild is then. Because, yeah. it's certainly, you know, oh, my I- God. I am with you. I'm I'm going to get to anger eventually. I, I, I vacillate back and forth. Unfortunately for me, when I get super frustrated and angry, I am also prone to tear up. It's it's one of the things that I think has hurt my ability to negotiate in tough situations in the years because I'm like, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I want to destroy you, right? Like that's not really, <laughs> that doesn't really come across as all that threatening from five foot one me. Um, but no, I am with you. I think it is pathetic. And, and you know, I want, there's a cautionary tale here. Yes, you are correct, Jed Hoyer, that at some point in time, there's an aging curve in baseball and in and in, off that aging curve, players will drop off, right? Like that is true. You made the note of Jason Hayward. I think Jason Hayward is a special case. I think there's some things that happened with tweaking his swing and in particular, the way he reacted to being hit in the face that changed his approach at the plate that made him less of an offensive threat. Um, I really wish the Cubs had just never messed with his swing at all. I think he probably would have been just fine if they hadn't done that. Um But, you know, that, yes, that's a cautionary tale. It's also pretty rare for a guy to drop off completely at, like, 32. It usually happens a little bit later. Uh, For some players, though, for the Paul Goldschmidts of the world, like, they just don't drop off. Like, they hit 34, and they're able to adjust again, and they come back, and they're good at 35. And then, you know, maybe they drop off like Joey Votto at 37 or something like that. The Cubs let Anthony Rizzo walk last year on this premise that you will become – 
like just a worse version of yourself every year in your 30s. And this is what Anthony Rizzo has a WRC plus of 134 for the New York Yankees. Every time the Yankees are playing and I am looking at Twitter, there there's Yankees fans out there like, thank you to the Cubs for not believing in Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo is great for us. He does great things. He has 23 home runs. He is a leader in that clubhouse. He's This is the mind-boggling thing to me. Anthony Rizzo is in New York teaching the Yankees how to be a World Series caliber team because they didn't have that championship experience in the dugout before. And Anthony Rizzo is the dude who is teaching them what it means to be a world a world champion and how you get through a 162-game season. And the Cubs let that experience walk over, what, like $25 million? He wanted a deal that was closer to $90 million or $100 million rather than the 70 pittance that Jed offered him. And I don't even care if there are actuarial charts somewhere in the triangle building that sh- that show that 570 was the perfect offer or whatever. I get the impression that Jed Hoyer is willing to let the perfect be the enemy of the good here in the in ways where he he thinks there's a target for like value per war after age of 31 and some egghead has put that into a spreadsheet and look I'm an egghead, so no shade to eggheads. We are awesome. But eggheads have to have a heart. And the reason we're Cubs fans and not like just fans of stats is because we have we care about these players. We go and we cry when they cry and we're happy when they're happy. And we, you know, kvetch over at Ball Hawk Corner when things are going wrong. And we try to prognosticate the whole thing. And if this is a team that where when you hit Free agency, if you aren't willing to take the lowball deal that Jed Hoyer thinks is right for you, you're gone. I am not interested. I do not want to watch them fail to negotiate with Nico Horner. I do not want to watch them fail to negotiate with Christopher Morrell. I do that what has happened with Contreras and Hap is ridiculous. Like, yes, might they be worse at 33? Perhaps. Are they worse now? Absolutely not. They're literally both all-stars. Like, I am <laughs> so sick of this. I am a fan of a big market team because you're supposed to sign free agents every now and again. And if the Cubs are incapable of doing it at this point in time, except for like the small deals, like the David Bodies of the world or the Kyle Hendricks who take like a very team friendly contract, I'm out. Like I, I will cheer for the players. I will still go to the ballpark, whatever, but I am, I cannot give this team the amount of love and loyalty that I've given them over the last 30 plus years of my life. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and that's the thing that's uh, super frustrating is, is that they expect our loyalty and our money. And that's the, and they told us that about themselves. They're like, Oh, these idiots fill the ballpark, no matter who we got out there. And uh, that this last two days was true. They packed that place and made a ton of money so we could say goodbye to a player that we shouldn't be saying goodbye to. I'm like, they even got money for screwing us over. Like my cousin alone spent like $200 in beer, you know, like it is just, I know. Well, I mean, he was buying it for people. It wasn't just him, you know, it was just for him, but, um, but yeah, even by Wrigley prices, that's a lot of beer. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I think he had five, you know, himself. So at $14 a beer, you know, you're sitting there at a hundred bucks just to tip and stuff right there, you know, just about. Um, so anyway, uh, th- thanks to the Pirates fan who lined Ricketts pocket so that the Pirates can beat us in the wild card in two years. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, it's just, um, it, I just don't know like how you do. I, I mean, we need a catcher. I mean, if, even if you wanted to, Miguel Amaya came back, uh, kind of. He's not catching, but he's hitting uh, down in the minors. Is that the plan? I don't think that, if it is the plan, the plan. If it is the plan, he's still two years away. Sorry, continue. Keep going. Yeah, he's still two years away because he's been injured this entire time. And But it was the plan. And, you know, maybe if he had had like a, a full season in 2020 and then didn't get hurt and need, didn't need to have Tommy John or something like that. I forget what happened to him. But he had Tommy John. But not throwing even... arm though, like it was his Tommy John, like so not the arm he uses to throw runners out. He hurt his elbow in a slide and had to have not have to have Tommy John surgery. I think. Yeah, and so like I'm just I'm you know I'm looking at this team and you know look, I'm looking at the catchers that are available at the end of this year, and I'm like you knew what this catching class was going to look like, you knew already. I mean Wilson knew it too. He knows that he's the best catcher in this class coming in to it. At- and so he want, he wants best catcher in the class money, which, you know, that's 
probably a, a, a deal like uh, Salvador Perez. And so give him that deal. Five, six years, 20 million a year. Just give it to him. What's wrong with you? Like you gave that money to Suzuki plus paid his Japan team. And you're telling me Suzuki's worth as much as Wilson Wilson. And then you talked about mentoring just a second ago and like how that works, like what Rizzo's doing on the Yankees. What about what Wilson's doing with morale? Not only that. So if you, I went back to Twitter last night, I went and watched this part of the game. um, Cause I am that girl who will record a game that I care a lot about to see what they say on the broadcast about the thing that I saw with my own eyes at the ballpark. I'm told I'm ridiculous. Y'all I'm a ridiculous human being. Uh, but I went back, I went back and watched part of the game um, after I came home and, and they were talking about how the Wilson sits in the dugout. You'll find him a lot of times with the, with the video looking at old, old at bats and Taylor McGregor reported that he's not just looking at his at bats. He looks at all the young kids at bats too, so that he can sit there and talk with them about what they're doing and how they might change their approach to be more effective. And I have seen this with my own eyes when I was at that Brewers game with the best seats I've ever had in my life. I saw him with Velasquez and Morrell and having these conversations. You could see them kind of pouring over an iPad and and that's what's going on there. He is like, hey, look at this. See, if you had adjusted to that slider, like you wouldn't have struck out here and maybe you just approach it this way or don't swing when this happens or whatever. That is who is going to take that role? Because we don't have a hitting coach doing that. Like the hitting coach has been the defensive dark arts like professor in for the Cubs for a while now. Like Wilson Contreras is doing a lot of work here with some of the young guys to make them way more effective than it is not an accident that Christopher Morrell comes to the major leagues and has a better season than he's ever had in double A or triple A or at any level of the minors. It is not an accident that Nelson Velasquez is hitting the cover off the ball. He is getting pro tips from a guy he trusts who is his mentor. Like they're going to let that walk over nothing. I I just am. I'm just infuriated. Yeah. And, and from a fan perspective that doesn't understand all this, like I, I had to explain it a couple times uh, to my mom, who's like, why would they trade him? I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, it's the end of his contract. They're like, still, they shouldn't do that. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, mom. Like, it's just how it works, you know. And so you're, for your fan that just wants to go to the ballpark and see some guys that they've heard of before, you know. And granted. <laughs> what, you, what, a, what an idea. You've never. Know the I names. Mean, <laughs> yeah, to know the names. I mean, because a lot of times that's the first complaint I get. I'm like, who are the, who's that guy? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know either. I mean. We're it just should never be like that in Chicago. We never should be in this uh, state and we are in it. So now you, we just have to accept it and I guess try to move on with whoever it's going to happen. But, you know, there's a lot of what ifs banking on this rebuild, which is, you know, even if like you get a pocket full of uh, or a pile of uh, prospects that are 18, 19 years old. And if three or four of them, work out and one becomes a big superstar that actually is going to make your team pretty good for if they all kind of hit around the same time because half your lineup and maybe half your pit half your rotation might be awesome and then you just kind of add around it but that's a lot of what ifs you know <laughs> these guys actually have to work out you know we're we're waiting for Miguel Amaya for how long and then he ended up getting hurt so we don't know what's happening it's such an important position and yeah, like you pointed out from a coach standpoint, that's what a catcher is. They're like the field general. They're out there and he's been out there and you need that veteran presence. What is it going to be? Leon Gomes. He's great. He's great as a veteran presence on a, as a catcher on a team, you know, but he shouldn't be your starter. He should be the guy that comes out there once every fifth day and is also helping the young people. But like to take somebody like who's a spark plug of a team like Wilson Contreras or kind of like maybe the soul of a team like Ian Happ. You know, where, you know, he's g- great with the fans and, and they're just like, ah, doesn't not worth anything to me. You know, the Cubs just they're not valuing it and they're going to have to pay a lot more when there's 30 freaking other teams or 29 other teams competing for their services in the offseason. Well, you lose half, you're losing them for next year and you're just telling me that you're not going to compete next year. And then you're like telling me out of the other side of your mouth that you are and I should buy tickets. Number one, let's talk about this Jan Gomes-Wilson Contreras uh, comparison for a second because I wrote a piece at the start of this season where I said Jan Gomes is fine. He's a plus offensive catcher. He is literally worse than Wilson at everything. He's got worse platoon splits. He's got They've got the same platoon splits like their standard platoon splits, but Jan Gomes is just worse than Wilson at them. He strikes out more. He walks less, like all of those things. 
this season offensively, Jan Gomes has been a disaster. And I, yeah. I, I don't say that to be like, oh, Jan Gomes sucks. He hit a couple of home runs the other day. That was great. But Wilson Contreras is slashing 258, 373, 470. His Woba is 371. Remember, Woba, fancy on base percentage that cares more about doubles and home runs than singles. Uh, and his WRC plus is 139, which means that he has been 39% better than the league average hitter in a park adjusted metric at creating runs for his team. Jan Gomes is hitting is slashing 221, 237, 349 with a Woba of 254. Under 300 is bad, people. And a WRC plus of 59, which means he has been 41% worse than league yeah. average at creating runs for his team. So, like, this is not just like, oh, well, Young Gomes is just fine. This is like a cliff, right? Like, we are going from the best offensive catcher in the league to a guy who's pr- maybe not the worst because there are dudes like Martin Maldonado out there and Jason Castro getting playing time at catcher, but it is not good. Not hitting second is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and we already knew that too, because if you look at his 2021 numbers, he was terrible last year too. And he's 34 years old and he's a catcher. So, I mean, I get why that they're going to, you know, not value age, but he should just be like a backup catcher that's there to handle the staff and take, take it once every, you know, take, you know, be out there once every five days to give uh, your, but he's catching every day because they're, uh, they're basically spelling Wilson because they don't want him out there. They don't want to damage him. They're just DH in and stuff. So like, it's just, I mean, he's playing too much. First of all, he's 53 games. He's been in, <laughs> you know, that's, that shouldn't be the case. He only, uh, he played in a total of actually, he was like a starting catcher pretty much last year, 103. Uh, and he used to be uh, a starting dude for he wasn't great with Washington handled the handled the staff very well he's a veteran presence like there's nothing wrong I mean he's not good at hitting but there's nothing wrong with having him as your backup catcher for the reasons he should be on the team but they're using him differently than any of us would want but can can we talk for one second about Wilson the designated hitter for a second because when I talk about this a lot people come to me and they're like oh well but he can't, he shouldn't be a catcher. He's better as a hitter. Da, 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 da. You don't want to pay him for catching, blah, blah, whatever, framing, yada, yada. I just ran a list of the leaderboard for the top designated hitters in baseball, both leagues, AL and NL, and I sorted it by WRC plus qualified batters only. So, you know, nobody's showing up on this list if they've got a lot of injured time. Here's the list of the top five uh, designated hitters by WRC plus in 2022. Jordan Alvarez with a WRC plus of 198, which is stupid. If you don't watch Houston games, you should, because Jordan Alvarez is a must watch. Alejandro Kirk, another catcher for Toronto, who's kind of a Wilson-esque catcher. I really like Alejandro Kirk. Wilson Contreras coming in at number three with his WRC plus of 139, just ahead of J.D. Martinez with a WRC plus of 135, and Shohei Otani with a WRC plus of 133. Wilson Contreras has been more valuable as a hitter this season then J.D. Martinez or Shohei Otani and the Cubs are like, yeah, we're not interested. We're just not interested in that. Yeah. That's and ridiculous. Pay the yeah. man. Pay him as a designated hitter. Pay him as a catcher. Bring him back. Let him be your guy to teach guys how to hit. Some other team is going to get all of that value, and I am furious about it. I hope it's the Padres. Because I like well, I like Luis Campusano a lot, and I can cheer for the Padres. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's just – it's the only thing I can hope for – is that, I mean, it would be a pretty strong signal and it's not going to happen, but if they did not trade him and they're like, we're going to work something out. And like, there's, I mean, it's not going to happen that way. Everybody, everybody knows, like he knows, you know, the, the Cubs know they, I mean, they, they gave him, it's kind of (laughs) like, do you remember when Chris Bryant came back as a giant and like Ricketts went out there and like gave him up, gave him like his number from the scoreboard and stuff. And I'm like, well, guess we're not signing Chris Bryant in the off season. They like basically gave him the key and they're like, here's the golden watch for your retirement. And I'm like, wait, he's a free agent next year. He's like, 28. why are you acting? <laughs> we're not- okay. I guess signal to everybody that we're not in on Bryant, you know, you know, they made it sound like he was retiring. I'm like, hey, he's got another 10 years in him. Oh my God. Yeah. It's- Bleak times on the north side. Yeah. It really is. Six-game winning streak. This is the saddest six-game winning streak show I've ever done. It is. It is the saddest the saddest six-game winning streak show I've ever done uh, either. I want to say one last thing about the Wilson Contreras thing, and then we will talk about these Pirates games, I promise. There's stuff to talk about uh, on the flip side. We'll also talk 
about a preview of the Giants series that is so weirdly happening, like, go from go from Philadelphia to Chicago to San Francisco for hashtag reasons. But I want to talk about one more thing here. We'll just like make the opener, the first half of the show, the Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ goodbye tour for one second. Um, Danny and I both had the opportunity to go to the obvious shirts, Wilson Contreras signing event that Joe over at obvious shirts, who is a Cubs fan through and through and who gets it like no one. I, part of the reason I love that company is, You can tell, like, all of those shirts are what we would say as fans. And even if you wouldn't have come up with that exact saying, like, you love it when you see it and you feel it when you like it's a it's fun to wear those shirts. You are you are wearing a part of fandom that is that is authentic and very north sidey. I was I knew there would be a lot of people who turned up for that event. I knew it would sell out. I was so impressed with the number of people who showed up for Wilson Contreras for what was supposed to be like a 90 minute signing event. The line went. From the Obvious Shirts warehouse, which is across the street from the Obvious Shirts store, down the block, across multiple blocks, uh, Joe over at Obvious Shirts posted a video, a sped up video from at Strictly Wrigley that we will retweet from the Cup of Cubby Blue account that you should check out. It is, it makes your like heart catch in your throat to see all of those people there. And frankly, you could tell, I mean, I could tell I, when I got my moment to like say hi to Wilson, thank him for being my favorite player and take a picture with him. I was shaking because I'm me and he's like, oh, you're shaking. I'm like, no, I'm just, you're my favorite. Um, but like he, he was so grateful to see this fan base turn out for him the way he has turned out for us for 14 years. The kid has been a Chicago Cub since he was 16 years old. And I will say this, you know, we talked about aging curves a second ago, and I'm working on this piece right now. I, I had to start pre-writing it because honestly, if I had waited until they traded him and tried to write a piece, I would not be able to get it out. I, It's in my head and in my heart, and it's, I've had to write it in pieces because when I start to cry, I walk away. Um, Wilson Contreras has exceeded expectations at every single level. He was not supposed to be a guy. He was not a top prospect. He is an afterthought in every prospect list that you go back to from his time in the minor leagues. He came up because David Ross and Miguel Montero were hurt. The other Cubs catchers in the systems were either not available or not ready. And Kyle Schwarber had blown out his knee and he never went back. He never went back to AAA. He didn't get sent back like Ian Happ. He didn't get sent back like Kyle Schwarber. He didn't get sent back like Anthony Rizzo, who got sent back when he came up the first time with the Padres. Wilson Contreras never went back. He has done better than anyone expected him to at every single turn. When they thought he would just be like maybe an above average bat catcher, he turned himself into an all-star. When he said that he wanted to be the best catcher in the league, like Yadier Molina, people laughed at him. And guess what? Who's your three-time starting all-star catcher? Who's been the all-star starter more than anyone else? Wilson Contreras. If I was going to bet on any member of the core to exceed expectations going forward, And to be the guy who's 35 years old and puts up a 40 home run season when you least expect it, it would be Wilson Contreras. I wouldn't hesitate. He has never let fans down. He has always done more than he was supposed to. And it is a pathetic shame that the Ricketts and Jed Hoyer don't see the potential in that man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well said. I got nothing to add to that. I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm pretty pissed too. I also think we should give Ian Happ some love here. And I, and I, one of the things I noticed yesterday, Danny, and I'm not sure if you noticed it as well, Ian Happ did not get nearly the love that Wilson Contreras did. And I think part of that is because fans do not recognize how perilously close Happ is to being traded along with Wilson. He sort of got the extra year. So he, the rumors really didn't start blowing up around him until the last week. But shout out to the left field bleacher crew because they were the ones closest to him all day. And they absolutely knew that Ian Happ might be playing his last games at Wrigley Field. And and our friends, um, led by Bleacher Jeff and some other friends out there in the left field, well, uh, signed a ball. All the Bleacher bums signed a ball for Ian Happ and got it to him through the bullpen crew. And he was talking about it after the game. I thought that was pretty special. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I saw Bleacher Jeff at Nisei Lounge afterwards, and he was drowning his sorrows, and he was sadder over Happ just because he's out there every day. And Happ, you know, Happ <laughs> – Hap respects the left field bleacher crew. He loves him, you know, and um, once again, here's a guy, big part of Chicago, probably a lot of good years, having, having probably his best overall year, 
that he's uh, except for maybe his rookie year when he splashed onto the scene, hit, you know, what he hit 20 something home runs. I forget what it was, but uh, that was 2017, I believe. And um, yeah, ever since then, uh, you know, he's been up and down, but this year he's having a really good year and the Cubs are like, all right, we're not making the same mistake that we did with the other guys where you're shipping you out, you know, trade high, you know, sell high and the metal makes sense on paper. But, you know, once again, who who's going to play for the Cubs? <laughs> I just, I mean, people, I, you know, that's my answer to people. Cause a lot of people will shame you be like, you can't hold on to these guys forever. You have to trade them all right now. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, who will play? Well, <laughs> who's going to be, well, teenagers are coming. And I'm like, well, when? And we'll trade those teenagers the second they have a good half season. You yeah. just wait. Um, you know, the thing, yeah. the thing that I got into an argument with people about yesterday, and I really think that some of y'all do not understand how this baseball thing is supposed to work when you are a major market team that has lots of money. So it is true that you cannot hold on to everyone and you cannot extend everyone. This is why if you're a longtime listener of the show, you heard me say years ago that I thought the Cubs should extend Rizzo. And if they couldn't extend Rizzo, they should extend Baez. And if they couldn't extend Javi, they should, they should, you know, like it was kind of like a tiered thing, right? Like, but the reason I thought they wouldn't extend Chris Bryan is because he would keep you from extending any of the other guys. Little did I know they had no plan of extending literally any any of them. The way this works is you're supposed to extend one or two guys and then trade the other ones. So you keep your farm system strong and you still have a core of players there. You do not trade literally everyone and then go, Oh, where are guys? Like how, when, why is our next contention window seven years away when this 17 year old kid that we got for you, Darvish is ready to play. Yeah, no, it's, it's insane. And, and, and you need that veteran know-how you need, guys to usher these younger players into the league and to tell them that this guy's going to throw you a bunch of sliders on the outside corner right? because they know that and the, the, the rookie doesn't yet. So you need somebody out there and because it, it can't all fall on the coaches and manager. You need the team veteran presence. Everybody knows that that is a time tested baseball truism for the entire time baseball has existed, you know, that you need that healthy mix. And um, it's just, it's just, this is a sad situation. So, I mean, and then I was having this argument on Twitter, not really an argument, but I saw that uh, somebody said that Ian Happ will get 10 million in arbitration, probably in. That's a steal people. That's a steal. So, and my point was like, maybe the Cubs won't even pay that because if they're not looking to compete, why spend $10 million on anybody? Just let a kid play. Let Velasquez have the job. Like, you know, he's cheap. He's 500000 not $10 million. So why wouldn't they do that? And they're like, well, because they're going to try to trade Hap. I'm like, well, yeah, but what if they can't? What if they make the same mistake and say, oh, there's no market, just like there was no market for Schwarber, which I have trouble believing considering the Red Sox seem to find a market. Uh, you know, there's always a market. Like, you could just take less, but they didn't. And instead, they let him walk over pretty much the same amount of money. Or less, actually. So... <laughs> Why wouldn't they just let – oh, we couldn't find a market for Haps, and so we're not getting enough. So we're just going to not pay $10 million, let them go to some other team. We're not paying it. The Red we're not Sox competing. traded the Nationals, their number 10 prospect, a uh, right-handed pitcher named Aldo Ramirez for Kyle Schwarber for half a season oh, yeah. of Kyle Schwarber last year. I meant the so, Nationals, yeah. No, yeah, I know what you meant. Uh, I, I didn't mean to correct you. I'm, I'm just like giving people the return because I want people to remember that name because when Aldo Ramirez comes up, and it's throwing bullets for the Nationals. That is what the Cubs didn't get for for Kyle Schwarber when they could have traded him rather than non-tendering him. I find the Kyle Schwarber non-tender to be the cheapest, most consultant-esque, most brutal, most ridiculous, most ham-fisted move that this Hoyer regime has has made. And, and I am to the point where I, I need to see some receipts. Jed Hoyer needs to have a plan and execute it that we can talk about. And I... I have very little patience with Jed Hoyer. I, I, there's no proof that he can put together a winner. He didn't do it in San Diego. He's always been Theo's number two. There's no proof he can do this on his own. And we are all just like supposed to trust him. And if you're a dude bro who comes into my mentions and says, oh, well, you got to trust Jed Hoyer. He knows what he's doing. Why do you Why do you trust Jed Hoyer? I don't understand. Because yeah. like it's not like he's ever done this before. We are well overdue for a commercial a break for our commercial sponsors uh the people who pay the bills here at cup of cubby blue and and keep the trains running on time so we're gonna take a quick break for our sponsors on the flip side we'll talk about this winning streak uh but today the w stands for wilson for uh, let's take a quick break 
All right, we are back. Uh, the Cubs won two games. It was pretty great. The pitching was absolutely outstanding. Let's talk about this first game. Adrian Sampson has been kind of a revelation. Like, who knew the Cubs just had a guy hanging out in Iowa who could throw seven innings of two-run baseball and just, like, really look pretty good against a lot of different teams? What, what did you think of Adrian Sampson's outing on Monday night? Well, yeah, I mean, it's all been kind of a surprise. Here's a guy who's 30 years old. He, I think he went to Korea for a while and then came back and kind of found found another another gear for himself because he was, you know, a dude like kind of on the a cuspy minor leaguer, major leaguer, made it up with Texas, I think. And, you know, and it just – and then this year at age 30, he put it together. And I, I don't know if he is maybe a cheap rotation or even long man in the bullpen, Mike Montgomery style option, which is what he came up as. But I mean, he's kind of given me like Trevor Cahill vibes, giving me uh, Mike Montgomery vibes big time, except for that he throws with his other hand. Um, but you know, I mean, he's a tool. So, I mean, maybe they're even going to package him into some kind of deal. <laughs> I mean, that would be kind of a shocker. I, I don't know if he's on anybody else's radar because he wasn't on. An, <laughs> he was a, he was in Korea, you know, so I don't know <laughs> what is going to happen from here on in. But God, who knows at this rate, Jed Hoyer is probably planning on selling some statues. He's like, you want a statue? Will you give us a prospect for a statue? We could have an Ernie Banks statue. Like, just give us give us some prospects. We'll, we'll trade our history and legacy away. Um, I don't think Adrian Sampson is on anyone's trade radar, but he has been great. He was honestly, it was a perfectly acceptable game that he threw here against the Pirates. And it's not the first one that he's thrown. He's he's really been versatile and he's had he's shown an ability to come back I mean if you remember Adrian Sampson was also the guy who gave up like four runs to the Red Sox and it looked like the Red Sox were just going to steamroll the Chicago Cubs in that series and then he not only stayed in the game but he stayed in the game long enough for the Cubs to come all the way back and I don't remember if he got the win or if he just got a no decision out of that but that was an impressive outing to me a couple other guys who were impressive here Michael Givens threw a really strong eighth inning Scott Efros in his first major league save was wow. filthy and I Honestly, like, look, Efros is the dude, and the Cubs have him on their team for a long time. His that sidearm thing that he does, wicked, dude. It's just wicked. I was um sort of not quite directly behind home plate for this game. My friend Amit had some seats in 221, so we had a really nice view of the plate for this outing. And I had not seen Efros from that angle before, and it's man, that stuff is good. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it is filthy. I mean, and with that like sidearm delivery and stuff, it's super sneaky. And, you know, it, he'll probably be the closer once Robertson is shipped out because uh, that's happening. And I would guess that Givens probably has a pretty good market as well. So it, you're going to be looking at a lot of Efros at the end of games if the Cubs have the lead, which, <laughs> well, sorry to laugh, but, <laughs> but if happened, Contreras aren't here, like, uh, I don't know how many leads we're going to have. Um, the one thing about this game that was kind of annoying is the all the outs on the base paths. That was pretty frustrating to see. Um, the Nelson Velasquez pinch oh runner toot plan. Look, I love you, Nelson Velasquez. I'm a super fan. I think you've got legit power. And also, you can't run into a toot plan as the pinch runner. <laughs> well, I mean, it's that thing that we were talking about before about because that was a uh, pass ball, right? Yeah, and the and the pass ball bounced right back to the ca to the catcher, and it was like oh, he well, didn't even done. slide. He just like, <laughs> I mean, he was out by like fourteen feet. It was just ridiculous. And then in the first inning, there were two runners thrown on the base pads. Ortega took off too soon, got picked off. Yeah, and, my friend um, Amit, who is more of a basketball dude than a baseball dude, looked at me. He's like, "Shouldn't the Cubs have like a five run lead right now?" I was like, yeah. "Yes, yes, they should." They only won three to two. They're trying to lose, and then. um then the other one was uh, Wilson tagging up on a Suzuki flyout, which it was deep, but it was to right field. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you're, you know, I mean, it just was weird. Yeah. Uh, that Ortega I, 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 home run, though, was I want to give Ortega some props for that. That was into a howling wind. And I did not think any balls were going to get out. And Ortega just mashed that baseball. 
Yeah. Oh, it was Horner that was out at home after the pass ball, wasn't it? I, the, you know, the last oh no, the last guy was nailed at second. second. Yeah. yeah. He the came last in as a pinch runner for, um, sorry, I'm mixing up plays. Velasquez yeah, came too. in yeah. for a pinch runner as a pinch runner for, God, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it was Horner that was out after the pass ball and that he looked like an idiot there. But that it's just like one of those like, why can't we what is going on at third base? Like, you know, God love Willie Harris. He seems like a really fun guy. But what is going on over there? (laughs) It's just like how many times and I'm going to look at it in the offseason or sometime uh, about how many times the Cubs got thrown out at home plate this year, because it might be more than other teams. At least it feels that way. So. Yeah, I, I, I always for I always remember when the Cubs were playing the Yankees. Lindsey Adler at the Athletic, co- who covers the Yankees, just like middle of game two, says something like, "Man, the Cubs, the Cubs give away a lot of outs on the bases." <laughs> Don't say. Oh my god! Yeah, it's not <laughs> like, just home plate. A, a ridiculous number of outs on the bases, Lindsey, like tons. <laughs> well, and I, I looked up because uh, I was for I was looking up the uh, the Giants and Cubs, and you know, looking up their different uh, comparative stats. And the Cubs, they get thrown out, um, ca- caught stealing a ton. Like we are third. Uh, well, well, actually, yeah, we're third in caught stealing, but we're third in stolen bases. And I'm like, is that worth it? You're running a lot. And you know what I mean? And I just don't know if it's because like. I mean, I'm you sure look at some team- metrics dude has run the numbers and it's worth it. But also like the thing that boggles my mind about this and I get it. I remember hearing Boog say earlier this season that the guy who was in charge of the Cubs running strategy is actually Mike Napoli. And like, okay, from a, he was a catcher, so he should probably understand how to control the running game perspective. I get it. But from a Mike Napoli understands how stolen bases or like caught stealings work. I, I really don't. Cause you know, who didn't steal a lot of bags in his career. Mike Napoli. <laughs> Mike Napoli. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he's kind of a statue out there, but yeah, he's a catcher. I mean, <laughs> the only catcher that steals a lot of bases is, uh, I don't know, Wilson Contreras, who should be on the freaking cups. Yeah, JT Romito steals some bags too, but let's, let's move on to the second game. Um, one, I am so grateful that the Cubs had a lead this whole game. Cause I'm not sure I could have taken the idea of a loss in Wilson and Hap's potential last game at Wrigley field. Also, Thank God that they were in the lineup, uh, unlike last year when Rizzo and Bryant were on the bench and Cubs fans were booing, trying to like get them back in the game. But let's just talk like the first inning of this game was just beautiful. Wilson uh, hits a little flare single out to center and then just like a parade of doubles, just double, 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 double back to back to back uh, with Saya and Hap and Nico. They were the... Uh, what's his name? Bryce Wilson was kind of hanging some sliders and they were doing damage and the Cubs had a 3-0 lead before you could even breathe. And it, and it was wonderful that that lead existed uh, for mo- and held for this game. The Pirates only scored two runs. Yeah. And they were both unearned uh, because it was, well, the, the homer to Cruz was uh, after, after, I think, after Warner had an error. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so they ended up with the unearned run, but yeah, Keegan Thompson was awesome. Um, he's been a real revelation. I think he's going to be a big part of the future of this Cubs team. Um, you know, struck out seven, looked really good, pitched seven innings. Like how many times has that happened this year? Seven Uh, innings, seven Ks. I mean, Keegan Thompson was pretty filthy from the plate in this one and the Ks started early. And then what I like about Thompson, he does this and Smiley does this too. He strikes you out early. And then he pitches to contact late. And so a lot of times you'll see these guys, they've got like five, six strikeouts through the first three frames. And then all of a sudden they're pitching to contact and you look up, it's the seventh inning. They're still under like a hundred pitches. They can stay in the game and they haven't burned themselves out. It's, it's a really, it's a really solid um, game plan in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. He's been great. And uh, until the other teams catch up with it and then they'll be waiting for it. But the, uh, the other thing about this game is it was such a typical 2022 Cubs games when you put up three runs in the first inning and then like nothing happens for the next six innings. And that's pretty much what for the pirates too, they didn't do anything till later in the game as well. But you know, you that had that first home inning run was a moon sh- that, yeah, that was against the wind to dead center. Dead and center, yeah. he hit a foul ball. The pitch before that to Shetfield also against the wind. Cause the wind was blowing towards left, not right. 
He hit a ball to Sheffield against the wind, Danny. That is that well, is prodigious there, that's, power. That's pitching pitching a contact for you. <laughs> that's for sure. But uh yeah, in the and I just like I love the first thing. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be because I'm sitting there with pirate fans and they looked at me like, Oh, it's gonna be a long afternoon for us. And I'm like, Yeah, it's gonna be twenty one zero like that one time. And then uh <laughs> They did nothing. I mean, Wilson singled with that little bloop single. And then Suzuki and Hap doubled. Uh, Horner doubled in Hap, I believe. Uh, you know, so it was just like they're just hitting all these doubles. And Bryce Wilson stinks. He's got an ERA near seven. And then I was like, like, oh, man, we're going to kill this guy. And then they just did nothing. <laughs> I mean, after that first inning, Bryce Wilson settled down and just had his way with us as well. Well, so it was like, he stopped throwing the slider that he was missing on. <laughs> and, the, yeah. and the Cubs were like, oh, man, bring back that pitch. Um, I do want to say one other thing. Say Suzuki hit a moonshot in this game, 436 yards or yards, 436 feet, feet, people, not yards. Uh, I, do, I, do, <laughs> I do know measurements a little bit. Um, it, it hit off the light post out there or in, in left or like the thing that holds the PA announcement thing. And like you saw ricochet back in, I think that ball would have made it out to our friend Ballhawk Dave uh, uh, if it, that hadn't been right there. That was a, that was an impressive piece of hitting from Saya, but that was into the wind as opposed to O'Neill Cruz's, which was against the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a, that was a, a good shot. And uh, the uh, wick finally looked good again. Um, he's looked good the last couple of times he's been yeah. out. I hope he's fixed. Cause I think the eighth and ninth inning is now wick to Efros and Efros isn't going to get a lot of work. If wick is bad wick. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Givens increasing that. Yeah. It was a clean night. That was quick. And uh, he, Thanks for your service. Yeah, given. <laughs> See you when you're on the other team. Do they have an option on Givens? Am I wrong about that? Maybe they do. I'm I just have, a, I'm, I'm so in the place. Um, I, I'm double checking just because it makes Michael Givens potentially more interesting and maybe more. Uh, yeah, there's a mutual option for 2023. Okay. So well. he would have to take that option. Uh, and that option, I think, is another $5 million contract. I don't know if he would want to take that or not, but that does at least make him a little bit more valuable because there's the chance of the option existing there, right? It also means that they might keep him because you could keep Michael Givens around and chop him next year. But I, you know, I, I don't think Jed Hoyer's trying to hold off on trading everybody. I think Jed Hoyer would trade the trade Wrigley Field if he thought he could get a haul of prospects for the field. Um, let's talk about this Giants game. A giant series that's coming up for the first time in ages. The Cubs have all of their pitchers listed. There is no TBD. And I did not realize until I was typing this out today, how many guys in the Cubs rotation have names that start with S the probable pitchers for the Cubs are Steele, Stroman, Miley and Sam Smiley and Samson, not Miley, Smiley, uh, lots of S's. Honestly, this is a pretty decent rotation. They are going to go up against as per Rotowire, not per the MLB probable pitcher list. So this is subject to change. Um, uh, uh, Wood, Cobb, Junis, and Rodon. Man, Carlos Rodon has looked really good this year. What do you see in these pitching matchups, Danny? Well, just going by Rodon, he he has a 318 ERA, but his last two starts, he kind of stunk. So maybe he's broken right now. Um He's given up 10 runs in his last 11 innings pitched versus the Dodgers in Arizona, but he did strike out 17 in those 11 innings. Um, Willie uh, Wilson Contreras does pretty well against a couple of these Giants pitchers. So let's just hope he kind of at least sticks around through the weekend and we could, you know, let him go out with a bang because he's got some homers off of Rodon and he's got a homer off of uh, Alex Wood, who's pitching in the first game. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're hoping – I mean, Steele, he walks four last time out, so I'm, I'm against Philly. Um, only made it through five, only struck out two. So I'm like – I'm looking at, at him kind of, you know, keep working. Like, just be a dependable lefty at the back end of our bullpen and, and or at the back end of our rotation into the future, and that'll make me happy with Justin Steele. Um, yeah, Strowman, he's looked strong since coming back from injury, so you're hoping – that continues, um, you know, Smiley, I mean, he's one that could potentially be traded uh, because he's looked good in his last couple starts, so I can see a team wanting him. Maybe he's not going to pitch on Saturday. And then, um, you know, Samson, we already talked about just, you know, 
we're all surprised. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, as oh, far good as call the, on the smiley thing, though, I forgot that he he's not long for this team. <laughs> yeah. And I do want to point out something annoying that's happening on for those of us that were around in the 80s and were Cub fans then is that uh, they're doing they're, they're trolling us, guys. They're having a game on the Saturday game. They're having a Will Clark retirement ceremony. They're retiring his number, oh, not is, retiring from yeah, baseball. Is, it's like, Will Clark's a, still playing? But that yeah, is like, a troll job. I remember that 1989 team, and I, I would yeah. like to not remember Will Clark. Thank you very much, San Francisco yeah, well, Giants. They're going to throw it right in our face on uh, purpose, you know. Dude, if, if they throw 1989 in our face on the day Wilson Contreras is traded, I will lose my mind. Yeah, and have some respect. Freaking Dwight Smith just died. You know, it's like and that that's was sad. a big part of the 80s. Like, I, so that, Only 58. You know, interesting thing that you bring up Dwight Smith because the Cubs have a chance to do something this year that they have not done since 1989. If you recall, in 1989, they had the Rookie of the Year in Jerome Walton and Dwight Smith finished second in voting. Uh, the Cubs have a rookie crew this year that could very well pull something like that off again. The odds-on favorite to be the Rookie of the Year in the National League coming into the season with Seiya Suzuki just because, and and you saw, you've seen it since he's come back from the IL. I mean, our friends over at Bleacher Nation posted what he's done since coming back from that finger injury. I'll pull it up in one second, but it's, it's super impressive, particularly the way he has slashed his K rate and how he's getting like just getting on base a ton with extra base hits, lots of power, yeah. lots of like all, everything we thought we were getting from Seiya Suzuki, but the surprise the surprise entrance here is Christopher Morrell, who nobody saw coming. And honestly, has a better case than Seiya Suzuki at this moment in time to be the NL Rookie of the Year. And if they keep this up for a couple more months, I think you're seeing Seiya Suzuki and Christopher Morrell 1-2 in NL Rookie of the Year voting. I don't think anybody else is close. Yeah, it could, especially if, yeah, Seiya's on a tear. I mean, in July, and that's in 71 plate appearances, he's slashing 328, 366, 537 for a 904 OPS. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, we'll take that, you know, no doubt. Four home runs in July so far. Yeah, just just really, uh, he he is back, y'all. Like he is back, and he is spectacular. The the league adjusted and say adjusted back. The thing that uh, Bleacher Nation noted that I had wanted to look at, and so I'm glad they looked at it, so I don't have to do the research on it. Um, he's swinging more. So I think we talked about this on the show when he first came up. He was looking at a lot of strikes. He was looking at a lot of strikes down the middle, looking at a lot of strikes on the outside. And I think I remember saying that. Um, I thought this, I don't know if I said it, but I definitely thought it. Um, I thought he was gathering data that he was just kind of like piecing together. Okay. This pitcher does this, this pitcher does this. Here's what happens in this situation. It almost like you could see him processing, like how pitchers were trying to attack him. And now say is attacking back. He's swinging a lot more. And when he swings, he is hitting those pitches y'all. And that is, that is a great sign for Cubs fans because we say Suzuki is a member of this team for five years. Yeah. And, and I do believe this is what I wanted to happen. If you remember on a couple shows ago, I was like, I need to say a Suzuki to go off <laughs> and he kind of has. So I'm um, thank you for listening to me say, I appreciate you obviously listening to the show because you're doing exactly what I wanted you to do. Yeah. Say it clearly listens to cup of cubby blue. Uh, we are, we are absolutely here for it. No, just kidding. Can I'm I say sure, one more I thing about listens to us. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, about D- Dwight Smith. Uh, just real quick before we totally get off of it. And I forget Go listen to the Club 400 podcast, the unedited version, unless you're squeamish about these things, because <laughs> Dwight Smith, <laughs> he's he's got quite the, the sailor's tongue, <laughs> but um, it's an amazing, it's an amazing interview. It's a, it's a question and answer that they did at Club 400, and Dwight Smith is a, was a treasure. What an amazing man, and he talked a lot about... Um, experiencing your life, you know, like live each day as your last and, you know, never let a moment slip away and love the people with you. And, you know, he talked and his son is playing and I think he's in the major leagues. Um, so, uh, man, just, a, just an amazing spirit and just check out that club 400 podcast about it because it, it's, he's hilarious. Jerome Walton's in it too, by the way. So he's Jerome Walton's way more soft-spoken. And what we didn't know before this is that, Jerome and Dwight finished one and two in rookie of the year. Um, but uh, they live really, or they lived really close to each other in Atlanta that um, I forget who moved there first. You'll, you'll hear it in the podcast, but uh, I think Jerome Walton moved to this neighborhood outside of Atlanta first. Dwight Smith moved right around the corner. So they've been friends and best friends for so long since the minor leagues. 
And um, so I feel bad for Jerome and, of course, Dwight's family because 58 years old, that's got to be a shocker. And I don't know what happened, but it's it's so sad. But please listen to that podcast um, and send it around. Those boys of Zimmer, what a fun, fun team that was for those that were around in 89. So that was a fun team. I, I The 84 team was the first team I was cognizant of that I fell in love with, but I had no idea what was really going on. The 89 team was the first team where I could keep up with things like stats and ask my dad questions about things like, you know, why some K's went backwards or things like that. It was the team that I could I could learn about baseball through. And I I was in love with that team. I, I had all of my girlfriends had like pictures of Kirk Cameron or whatever on their bedroom <laughs> walls. I had a picture of Mark Grace, y'all like that was that was me. They're like, Kirk Cameron's so hot. I'm like, Mark Grace is so hot. Like that is the, that is the, um, the different, that, that was me in the eighties. I was, I was oh my such God. a ridiculous child. That's, yeah. Liking Kurt Cameron is, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and now it's seeing what, I mean, I'm surprised he wasn't at January 6th. You know what I mean? He's he really might've been Danny, but... that there, there's still investigations going on. Yeah. I forgot that he's kind of a troll. Let's, let's move on to some Giants hot hitters before we get too tough far down at Kurt Cameron rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Let's the, not do that. <laughs> the Giants are really interesting because they platoon a lot of bats. So they have a lot of guys who you would not expect to have a very high WRC plus who perform very well, but you'll only see them against lefties or you'll only see them against righties. And they do a lot of switches and games. So just a preface before I get to some of these numbers, um, Flores is, uh, has WRC plus of 149, Slater WRC plus of 141, Darren Ruff is at 137, Evan Longoria, who I believe just hit the IL, I'm not sure about that, but I doubt we'll see him in the series, is at 129, Yermi Mercedes, who they picked up off the waiver wire when he was released by the White Sox, has a WRC plus of 127, and Brandon Belt has a WRC plus of 117, what do you see in these hot hitters from the Giants? Yeah, I mean, they're on a six-game losing streak, so their hot hitters aren't getting the job done. So We're uh, on a six-game winning streak. Exactly. So you know how this goes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> not to be too negative about it, but the but yeah, they, they're a pretty average offensive team. Um, they're in a tough division, but the Cubs actually have a bit of a higher team OPS than they do. Um, but they, even though they hit more home runs, um, they do walk a lot. The uh, both teams strike out a lot. I mean, it, it, to be honest, like the, both of the offenses are kind of similar uh, as they go. The Giants bullpen is not good. And so um, they have a uh, actually a higher uh, team ERA for the bullpen 441 to the Cubs 419. But neither team has been good, although the Cubs bullpen has been awesome lately. Uh, but um, yeah, so I think that, you know, their starters are keeping them in games. They got pretty decent earn run averages uh, in the threes. Uh, and then you're just going to try to get into the bullpen. Like Jacob Junis has a three. Rodon has a three eighteen. Uh, Alex Cobb is a four twenty six, and Alex was four twenty one. But still like they've been okay. You want to get into that bullpen if you can. Um, yeah. The giants are, they're not going to do anything this year. Hey, they might be sellers too. Yeah, the Giants are are. kind of weirdly on that, like, buy-sell cusp. I've heard some rumors of, like, well, would they be interested in upgrading a catcher? What could you do there? I don't think they are. After Joey Bart came back from AAA, he he seemed to look a little bit better. But you never know. Uh, The Giants are sort of right on that line of could be buyers, could be sellers. The Cubs have a lot of hot hitters, and these are guys who they don't platoon very much. These are guys who just play for the most part. Uh, Christopher Morrell is leading the way in the last month and change with a WRC plus of 172. P.J. Higgins is right behind him with a WRC plus of 162. Seiya Suzuki is at 152. We just talked about how he's surging and looks fantastic. Nico Horner, man. We need to do a whole episode dedicated to how good Nico Horner has been. Yeah. I am so impressed with Nico and what he has done this year. He's just a mature bat, a mature defensive presence. He doesn't make mistakes. And he's got a WRC plus of 138 right now uh, out for the last month and change. Nelson Velasquez is at 119, and he hits moonshots, man. The kid's power is out of control. David Bodie is at 113. Ian Happ is at 110. And the, I know the cutoff line for this is normally 110, but y'all have to forgive me today. Wilson Contreras uh, is on a resurgent stretch after you know some some downtime after, right before the all-star break he's at 109 and thank you for everything happened wilson yeah yeah this might be the last time we get to podcast about him with a, being on the team like we don't we don't know the time nor the place but you know it's, 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 it seems like it's a given i was joking about this with danny and joe from obvious shirts while we were waiting in line over at the wilson Contreras signing but but it's not really a joke like we're gonna do it for at least one episode uh, 
if Wilson gets traded, the next episode of the show is not just going to be called, but rebranded Cup of Contreras Blues. So y'all be on the lookout for the Cup of Contreras Blues podcast because it might take me a while to get over that one. And congrats to Joe from Obvious for he just got engaged. Oh, yeah, for, for, for real. We did not give him congrats on the show. Joe, you are the best. We wish you all of the happiness in the world going forward. Yeah. So then we end with a little bit of positivity. Indeed, Danny, if, if there's any positivity this week, and who knows, we'll, we'll try to find some silver linings where we can, and we'll tell it straight. And if it's if there's not silver linings, we'll just rant a bit. And, and luckily, I've got the best ranter in the business here as my podcast host. Danny, where can people find you in your rantings? At Sunranto. Follow me. We'll be going, uh, we're going to do a little lunch ranto show tomorrow. Um, and uh, so if you're around at noon, we're going to go live and uh, maybe you could uh, join on into the conversation and uh, we'll have a good, we'll have a nice time at noon central. And then uh, yeah, at Sunranto at Twitter, you could follow all my takes and they will be spicy. I'm sure it will be spicy ranto takes spicy lunch ranto. Uh, I will be hanging out with the lunch ranto crew to say hello not on the show or anything just saying hi um while for tomorrow's show you can find me and my baseball takes at at bcb underscore sarah you can find everything about the podcast including my anticipated rebrand to the cup of contreras blues show uh at our cup of cubby blue account on twitter we're so grateful to all of the memories and the things that we get as Cubs fans. You know, every time I walk into Wrigley Field, it's it's an impressive place uh, with a lot of history and a lot of wonderful, wonderful guys who played for that team for their entire life. Today, the W stands for Wilson, and I can't even get you out can of the do show it. You can do it. without crying. Um, until next time.